WMRA News. I'm Bob Levicky. Harrisonburg officials temporarily closed down traffic and send high school students home after a bomb threat. The Virginia ACLU sues the governor over his transgender student policies. And we have an update on the General Assembly and a review from Jeff Shapiro. This is the WMRA Daily for Friday, February 16th. Harrisonburg officials temporarily closed down traffic around Harrisonburg High School on Thursday due to a bomb threat. WHSV reports the high school was evacuated and closed early. Emergency personnel completed their search of HHS yesterday afternoon and determined the threat was not credible. School will resume as usual on Friday with school counselors and other mental health staff available to talk with students. City officials said they are investigating the threat. The ACLU of Virginia filed two lawsuits against the State Department of Education on Thursday over the governor's transgender student policies. The Associated Press reports the ACLU is asking the courts to throw out Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin's policies on the treatment of transgender students and rule that school districts are not required to follow them. The rules roll back many accommodations for transgender students urged by the previous Democratic administration. They also call for school systems sports teams to be organized by the sex assigned at birth, meaning that transgender girls would be unable to participate on girls' sports teams. Rockingham County's school board sparked controversy and student protests in January when it voted to adopt the governor's model policy. The chairman of the Republican Party of Virginia said Thursday that he will make personnel changes after the party published a social media post attacking House Speaker Don Scott. The Virginia Mercury reports the post brought up the decades-old drug conviction that Scott overcame to become the first black person to lead the House of Delegates. The Virginia GOP account posted the inflammatory comment on X around noon Thursday. The post was deleted, but screenshots captured by other users sparked condemnation from both sides of the political spectrum, including a denunciation by Governor Glenn Youngkin. RPV Chairman Rich Anderson said the post, quote, does not reflect my values or that of my party. The General Assembly has approved legislation to ensure the right of contraception to residents of the Commonwealth. Virginia Public Radio's Michael Pope reports. Contraception is often used for medical reasons that have nothing to do with preventing pregnancy. Here's Delegate Sia Price, a Democrat from Newport News. This is not a partisan issue. My ability to leave the home should not be on a partisan line uh, for the health care I need and deserve, nor should it be up to your zip code or privilege. This is something that everyone should be able to access, and I hope that he can see through the talking points and the partisan games. Her bill to establish contraception as a right sailed through the House with a bipartisan vote. Five House Republicans voted for her bill, which is now under consideration in the Senate, where Democratic Senator Ghazala Hashmi of Chesterfield introduced a similar bill. Now I would say to the governor that this legislation is supported by the majority of Virginians. And in fact, it's supported by the majority of folks in the United States. And that if he truly wishes to represent what Virginians want and what Virginians need in terms of essential health care, he will sign this particular legislation. Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin will have the final say when he considers legislation once the General Assembly session wraps up and lawmakers head home. Reporting from the Capitol in Richmond, I'm Michael Pope. 
The General Assembly's 2024 session passed the halfway point this week. Jad Khalil with VPM News has more on what to expect for the rest of the session. Bills had to pass their chamber of origin by Tuesday so they can, quote, cross over to the other side. Speaker of the House Don Scott told reporters how important it is. Crossover is a critical time for us to continue these conversations on issues that are most important to the people of the Commonwealth of Virginia. These conversations will include policy disagreements between the House and Senate bills on topics like cannabis and gaming and gambling. This is how bicameralism works. That's Alex Kina, a political science professor at VCU. And they have different members in them who have different incentives and different constituencies. Other bills didn't make it, like campaign finance reform. Kina says a party will even kill its own bills because internal splits may be politically harmful. For example, State Senator Jennifer Boisco's bill on collective bargaining for public employees didn't make it out of committee. There was a fiscal impact that was pretty hefty, and I think that was what scared my colleagues. Now it's a race to the finish. Session ends March 9th. Jad Khalil reporting. Well, just under the crossover deadline, a bill to legalize the funerary process known as aqua cremation narrowly survived its first Senate hearing in Virginia's General Assembly. The Senate General Laws and Technology Committee heard House Bill 52 carried by Delegate Kim Taylor of Petersburg earlier this week. Taylor spoke about the environmental benefits. Aquamation produces far less carbon dioxide and does not emit mercury into the air in the way traditional cremation does and is considered a green funerary option. In an 8-7 to vote, the committee reported HB 52 to the Senate floor for consideration. Taylor's bill is similar to failed legislation carried by former state Senator Joe Morrissey of Petersburg. State lawmakers are getting excited about the European honeybee. There's a lot of buzz about this bill. There's a lot of buzz, Mr. Chairman. I I, I want to tell you. Okay. Delegate Patrick Hope, a Democrat, wants to make the honeybee the state pollinator of Virginia. The bee produces about 250,000 gallons of honey every year in the Commonwealth and pollinates dozens of crop varieties But it's also not native. It was brought to Jamestown in 1622 by English settlers. Here's State Senator Danica Rome, also a Democrat, at a committee hearing on the bill. However, the bumblebee, uh, and I believe the American bumblebee, is native to Virginia. Rome's proposal to add the native bumblebee to the bill failed, but the committee unanimously approved the European honeybees bid. And now it needs support from the full Senate and Governor Youngkin. Well, now that the General Assembly is halfway done, Jeff Shapiro, political columnist at the Richmond Times-Dispatch, joins Michael to discuss what legislation is moving forward, which bills are dead, and what the future might hold. We're coming to you from the old Senate chamber in the Virginia Capitol, and it's halftime for the Virginia General Assembly. Jeff Shapiro, what's still moving forward at this point? Uh, By the way, at halftime, we are not going to be... uh Uh, enduring uh, appearances by either Usher or Janet Jackson. Uh, What's alive at the procedural midpoint? Uh, The Democrats are jump-starting an increase in the minimum wage. They want to push it up to 15 bucks by 26. They're pushing uh, the commercial weed market, uh, an assault weapons ban. Uh, They also want to make clear that clerks issue marriage licenses to Virginians regardless of their gender or their sexual orientation. The Yunkin Sportsplex up in Alexandria seems to be very much on life support, as well as um, the governor's uh, proposed tax cuts and that tax increase that uh, he had proposed. This would bump up the sales tax applied to the digital realm. It, too, is uh, dead. 
One of the important things about halftime in the General Assembly is not just what's still moving forward, but what's not moving forward. Jeff Shapiro, what's dead? Uh, well, underscoring that the governor's second tax increase is uh, finished, underscoring as well that this higher sales tax is uh, done for. And then we've also seen this stunt, for lack of a better description, by the Democrats to force a floor vote on Republican legislation that would ban the use of taxpayer dollars to support abortions. There was a great kerfuffle on the floor over that. This is the issue on which Democrats feel they restored their control of the General Assembly in November. So people often call the Democratic Senate the brick wall, but your colleague at the Richmond Times-Dispatch politics editor Andrew Kane says there's another brick wall here in Richmond, and it's the governor's brick wall. Jeff Shapiro, are we going to see him use his veto pen quite a lot in the coming weeks? Uh, it would uh, seem that way. Uh, all those bills uh, over which the Democrats are, are crowing would seem you know, doomed. Uh, this is the increase in the minimum wage, firearms restrictions, Allowing these giant so-called uh, class action lawsuits, as well as uh, the, the commercial cannabis market. The governor can veto all of these bills with impunity. Uh, the Democrats just don't have the numbers to override a gubernatorial veto. That requires a two-thirds vote of the House and a two-thirds vote of the Senate. And of course, the Democrats are barely in charge of both bodies. One last topic before we go. This weekend, the money committees are going to be releasing their very important proposals, the House budget proposal and the Senate budget proposal. What are we expecting there? Yeah, this is the first big step toward a compromise budget. Uh, one hopes that it'll be concluded by the scheduled adjournment of the legislature on March 9th. One of the things that these budget bills will not include is some extra play money. Uh, there was a discouraging jobs report, and this has the administration sitting tight on its current revenue estimate. So this means there won't be any play money for the legislators for their favorite projects. Uh, and also, uh, this budget process will unfold without the participation of the immediate past Republican chair of the House Appropriations Committee. He was thrown off the committee this past week by Don Scott, the Speaker of the House. The Speaker seems to be leaving it to our, our imagination as to the cause of, of this clearly punitive action. Hmm. Well, that's all the time that we've got for this week. Coming to you from the old Senate chamber in Virginia's historic Capitol building. My name is Michael Pope, and we've been joined by Jeff Shapiro of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Talk to you next week. Looking forward to it. The U.S. Civil Rights Trail features sites in 14 states. In Virginia, historic markers stand in Richmond, Danville, and Farmville. This month, the trail added 21 points of interest in Fredericksburg. Virginia Public Radio's Sandy Hausman reports. Seeing the places where important events occurred, where courageous people lived, marched, fought, and died, helps bring history to life. And this country has created a trail so Americans can better understand the civil rights movement. It has more than 100 sites in 14 states, including Virginia. And at the University of Mary Washington, Chris Williams says it just added 21 stops in Fredericksburg. On May 4th, 1961, after the original 13 Freedom Riders left Washington, D.C., they made their first stop at what was the old bus station 
and in order to desegregate public transportation. Other places of interest, the Shiloh Baptist churches, where local leaders organized and national leaders came to speak, and the modest home of John Washington, who, during the Civil War, crossed the Rappahannock River to claim his freedom. He, along with 10,000 other enslaved people, seized their freedom once the Union troops came into Fredericksburg. This really kicks off the trail because we start in 1862 all the way up to the Black Lives Matter protest in 2020. Williams says it took more than three years to win recognition as part of the U.S. Civil Rights Trail, but the Black community in Fredericksburg is excited to at last be acknowledged as an important part of local and national history. I'm Sandy Hausman. And finally today, the Dave Matthews Band has been nominated for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. A press release from the University of Virginia says that Dave Matthews began writing songs while working at Miller's Restaurant on the downtown mall. The group rose to stardom in the late 1990s. The band also operates the Bama Works Fund, which supports various causes in central Virginia. Hall of Famers will be selected in the spring and inducted later this year. For WMRA News, I'm Bob Levicki. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy your Friday.